And good morning, everybody. Can I get a good morning back from you today? Yeah, it's a good, good day to be in church. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Tyler. I get to be the pastor of this church that we call Anastasis. And if this is your first time with us today, I do want to say welcome. I'm really, really glad you're here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your weekend to spend it here with us. I know that your time is precious. I know it's important. I know that giving an hour away to something matters. And I just really appreciate that you're here today. It means the world to us. And we do believe with all of our hearts, there's not a better place to be on a Sunday morning than in church worshiping God. We believe that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter the mistakes you've made, that if you call on the name of Jesus, that you're saved, you're forgiven, you're restored, and you're raised to new life, in Christ, and that in all situations, you can have hope. Every single situation, you can have hope. Even when it seems so dark, even when it seems so bleak, even when it seems like there's no possible way this thing can get better, we have hope because we have a Father who's on our side who cares for us more than we could ever imagine. So I'm really, really glad you're here today. We're gonna jump into week two of our message series, Hope of Heaven. But before we do, let's go ahead, let's pray together, and then we'll get started this morning. Father, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you're faithful and good. Lord, there's no one like you. God, I thank you for just being with us at all times. Lord, for never failing us. Father, I pray in these moments that we share right now that we would remember your goodness. Lord, please just bring back to our minds and to our remembrance, God, all that you've done for us. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that today would be a day that honors and glorifies you. Lord, I pray over the words that I'm about to speak. Father, I just pray that they would be the ones that you want spoken. Lord, please omit the words from my vocabulary that you don't want spoken today. I pray that everything we do today would bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen have to grab my coffee. You ever have one of those nights where you're like, I just didn't sleep super well. That was last night. So (laughs) we're going to get after it today. I am excited. I do mean it when I say thank you guys for being here today. It's, it is such a joy to come in and worship together. And even though like I might be running on just a few hours of sleep, I'm like really excited to be here. So I'm really, really glad you're here. If you were with us last week, you'll remember this. If you weren't, we started this brand new message series, Hope of Heaven. And we talked about how our God is a relational God, that he's a relational God. He's not a transactional God. It's not that he wants something from you. It's really that he wants something for you. He wants you to find redemption and hope in Jesus and to have a relationship with him. And that's why Jesus died, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and then freed from our sin and our shame. Because God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. When Christ took our sins upon himself, our sin remained no longer upon us, but he had defeated it. And so we believe that the power of sin and shame has been defeated, that it does not have power over you anymore. We may give it power. We may think it has power. We may feel shame, but we need to remember that Jesus has wiped clean the slate. When he died on the cross, it was the perfect sacrifice that wiped clean the slate. So the shame you feel, the sin you battle, I do believe it's all powerless because of what Jesus has done for us. So we can come into a place like this on a Sunday morning, maybe a little tired. We can come in and we can have hope that we have a bright future ahead as we fix our eyes on eternity because God wants to be with us. He really does. He wants to be with you more than I can articulate with my words. Salvation through Jesus made it possible. There's this inward transformation we're gonna talk about more today, but an inward transformation that happens on the other side of giving your life to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit where God just changes your heart and your desires and you're transformed by the Holy Spirit to live in obedience and to worship 
him because it just becomes this like natural part of the way you live. It just becomes this natural part of the way you operate as God changes you from the inside out. And I love what we read last week. God said, because of Jesus' sacrifices, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. He said, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus and by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. And if you remember when we talked about the curtain last week, what that meant, there was this veil, this curtain in the temple that separated everyone from God's presence. Before Jesus died, the only way to access God's presence was for the high priest to walk into this space called the Holy of Holies beyond the curtain. And he had to do a bunch of stuff before he went in to do it right. He went in once a year to offer a sin offering. If he wouldn't have done it perfectly, he would have walked in. And just because of the power and the magnitude of the holiness of God, he would have died in that space had he not done everything right. But when Jesus died on the cross, it said that when he breathed his last breath, he shouted out, it is finished and that the earth shook and that that veil, that curtain that separated us from God's presence was torn. And God's presence came rushing out to meet us because that was his desire and his heart all along that he would never be separated from his creation. And so here's the deal. We live in a day and age now that I think people 7,000 years ago would only have dreamed of that are going, oh my goodness, you get to walk with God. You get to walk so nearly to God. You get to have a relationship with God. We are no longer separated. So day after day. Moment by moment, I believe with all of my heart, we need to draw near. We need to remember the perfect cleansing that Jesus has given us. And now, draw near to God in a way, like I said, that was never available to somebody a couple of thousand years ago. They would have been like, this is amazing. We cannot believe that this is the life you get to live. And I think about it sometimes and I go, how often do I take this for granted? How often do I take just being able to talk to God and access God in this way for granted? And I go, I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to live under my own power. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. Oh, no, I'm stressed out. I'm worried. Now I'm going to go see if God can intervene in my situation rather than living on purpose, living with the focus of knowing that God is with me at all times. We can draw near to God because the issues of sin and guilt have been settled. And because they've been settled, I believe with all my heart, that's why God chose you to be where his spirit resides. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just live around you but he lives in you. Once we were separated by that giant curtain, we couldn't go near him. Not only did God choose to tear that and to come around us, he chose to make us his home through the Holy Spirit living within us. Meaning now, wherever you go, wherever you go, God is with you. So for some of us, I think we struggle with this notion, maybe God is angry with me. Maybe God's upset with me. Maybe God's looking for a better performance from me. And the reality is that couldn't be farther from the truth. What God is looking for from you is just to place your trust in him. He wants to meet you right where you are. He is with you at all times. When you call on the name of Jesus for salvation, I believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So God is with you, not just wherever you go, but he's in you, closer than you can imagine. You're never alone. You're never alone. And I think some of us need to get that into our bones today. You're never alone. You might feel alone. You might feel isolated. You might feel discouraged. But God is with you at all times. He will never leave you. And so today we're going to start in John 14. And where we're picking up at, uh, Jesus' disciples are pretty concerned. They're nervous. He's, he's talking about how he's going to ascend into heaven. He's going to be crucified, died, rise again, ascend into heaven. And they're like, oh, no, he's going to leave us alone. They're worried about the thing I just talked about. They're worried about being 
left alone. And after all, this is a reasonable concern. They spent the last three years of their life following around what the society would have called this radical rabbi who claimed, and in fact was, the son of God. And they've placed their trust in him, but they've left their homes behind. They've left their families behind. In many respects, they've left their occupations behind. They've left and they've followed him. And so that's where this picks up as Jesus recognizes their concerns. John 14, 15 through 27. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, another helper. Why does he say another there? Because Jesus was their first helper. He's going to send you another helper. I was here to start this process, but there will be another one that will come along the Holy Spirit who's going to sustain what we've begun. And so he's going to be here to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. In verse 16, Jesus says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Um, That word helper in the Greek is parakletos. And one of the things I love about the Greek language is all of the layers that come into play, all of the layers that are there with their words, it's a lot different or much different than English, right? Like the English language is one of the most simple languages on the planet until it's not. I have a five-year-old daughter that's currently trying to learn how to read. Um, The English language is one of the most difficult things to teach her how to read. I've got a picture of a story we were reading together. So we got out of these books. They're about this dog named Biscuit. And I'm not going to lie. There's like 10 of them, I think. And I cannot wait to find out what Biscuit's going to get into next. I know some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but Biscuit goes to a park. Biscuit plays with the ball. Biscuit goes on a picnic. Like Biscuit does a lot of stuff. And so I cannot wait to find out. But we were reading the other night. And I said, and she's reading along with me. She's doing great. She's got a lot of words. She's starting to really understand phonics and sounding out words. But the English language is terrible for trying to sound out words. She read it. She goes, you? She goes, foo, foo, found, found. She goes, why is it you and then found? Why is it you and then foul? And I was like, because somebody 600 years ago decided to make some rules up that didn't make any sense. You know, like, I don't know, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. We got later in the book, I don't have a picture of this, but the word bright was in there. B-R-I-G-H-T, she starts trying to sound out bright. She's like, bring it, (laughs) bring it. And I'm like, no, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. This is like the hardest thing on the planet. I wish it was better. And while I normally always love simplicity, I love simplicity. If we have the word bright, it literally just means bright. It doesn't mean anything more than that. When I read scripture, I'm infatuated with the layers and the meaning behind each word as it can have a phrase or multiple different terms assigned to it. And so we have this word, parakletos, which is here for the word helper, and it's so layered to mean helper, advocate, defender, or comforter. And depending on the translation you use, I'll put a different one of those words in there, and you may see the word comforter in that passage under a different translation. And my favorite thing about that is it isn't saying comforter in the way that we think of comfort or even like coddling. It's comfort in strengthening, encouraging, building you up. And so when I read this and I hear Jesus say, I'm going to send you another helper, an advocate. I'm going to send you an encourager. I'm going to send you somebody to strengthen you. When your knees are weak, when your arms are heavy, when you don't know what to do, I'm going to send somebody to strengthen you, to help you every single step of the way. So when you're afraid, when you're overwhelmed, when you're discouraged, 
I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit will be your strength. He will give you the courage to take a step forward. And if you're discouraged, overwhelmed, or fearful, I don't say this to minimize your feelings, but really to encourage you today. You can have hope because the strength and the hope of heaven resides within you. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. So nothing is too big for our God to handle, and you are never Alone, And so he continues on, verse 18, and he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'll come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will make myself known to him. And I noticed this as I read this this week, there's so much unity in what he's talking about here because the Holy Spirit unifies. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is it unifies us with Christ and us with other believers. And so Jesus speaks of this unimaginable unity with the Father and the Son. And this is something they would have never been able to imagine back then. But how is it possible? Well, it's possible because now the Holy Spirit's in the equation, not just around us but within us. And so this unity is marked first by knowledge of God. He said, whoever has my commandments. And then it's marked by obedience to God and whoever keeps them. And then it's marked by love. And he said that whoever keeps us and does this obediently is one who loves me. And then it goes on and it said, and you're going to receive the love of God the Father. And finally, the union is marked by the revelation of Jesus himself. As he said, I'm going to make myself known to you. I'm going to manifest myself to you. All of this flows from the unity with God in you through the Holy Spirit. And as you can imagine, Jesus is saying all this, and you may even feel all this right now. I felt it when I read it this week in studying it, but these guys are college age guys, his disciples who he's speaking this to. This had to be a lot for them to take in. They're like, okay, what? I'll be in you and you'll be in me and he'll be in us and we'll all be in together and we'll all be around. And, and he's sitting there trying to explain, no, this beautiful, unbelievable, intimate relationship you get to have with God, who's going to be closer than you can imagine. And so finally, one of the guys steps up. Jesus' disciples are usually like, we believe right around 16 to 22, 16 to 24, somewhere in that age range. And so one of them has the courage to step up. And it says, Judas, not Iscariot, important distinction, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Good question. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me and he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. But whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. In answering Judas, Jesus represented and repeated the themes that he had already articulated. He breaks it down a little more simply for him. And Jesus is just trying to tell him, listen, you're going to have this amazing unity, this love from God, and this obedience in unity with the father and the son in you. And when he's talking about making himself known to them, these experiences wouldn't have been these like primarily like mystical or imaginary experiences as maybe they would have even thought they were, but they're actually like real life lived out in the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. Um, I'll break it down for us today like this. As you're going about your day, you just have this sense that God is leading you to do something. That's God working in you and through you as you're in perfect unity with the Father. Maybe as you're praying for someone and you just sense this encouraging word that you should speak to them, to encourage them. That's God working in you and through you through the power of, your Holy, of his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're fearful. 
You pray and you sense this peace just wash over you. And while you know your situation hasn't changed for whatever reason, you just have this extra dose of courage you didn't have before. And there's peace in your heart and your mind. That's the Holy Spirit in you, working in you and through you. And so Jesus gives them that clarity and then says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave you with and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Um, When I read that this week, it struck me so hard that us experiencing God's peace really matters to him. That your peace matters to God. That he wants you to experience peace in him. And I think there are times in our lives we feel like I've got to earn this or I've got to work harder or I've got to make something happen and that will bring me peace. And God's like, I just want to give you peace. I just want to give you peace. Have hope today. God wants to give you peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's saying, I'm sending the comforter to live within you, to be your advocate, to be your strength, to be your encourager so that you will never be alone. You will have peace. And I think about this and I go, what a gift we've been given. As we close today, what an amazing gift we've been given. What an honor to be the place where God chooses to have his Holy Spirit dwell and to live. Do we understand how amazing that is? Do we get how incredible this is? That God looks at each and every one of us broken, not in perfect condition. We haven't got it all figured out. We haven't solved all the world's problems. Yet he's like, I want you. I want to reside in you. I want to strengthen you. I want to walk with you. I don't know if you felt rejection in your life or somebody told you you weren't good enough, but I believe that the creator of the universe is on your side saying, no, 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 no. I think you're more valuable than you can articulate. That's why my son died. I want to live inside of you. I want to walk with you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you to strengthen you, to teach you, and to bring back to remembrance all that Jesus has taught. And it reminded me, as we read last week in Hebrews 10, and it says, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for saying, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. God is saying, I want to free you. I want you to have peace day after day, eternally. I'm going to do it through giving you my Holy Spirit to live inside you, to carry you, to walk with you. You can walk in freedom now because God has cleared your slate of your failures and of your sins. And you can walk confidently in your identity as God's child. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of that. He's going to strengthen you and he's going to lead you to live obediently. And in all of this, I believe your heart and your soul will have peace. Um, when I talk to most of anybody, really, one of the things people are like generally looking for is either for their world to slow down or they're looking for their mind to stop racing or for whatever problems they experience in their life to kind of dissipate and fade or they're looking for something tangible that they think is going to bring this rest to their hearts and their minds. And the reality is in this life, you are going to have trouble. That's what Jesus said. But he said, but take heart. 
but take heart, have confidence, have hope that I've overcome the world. And the reason we can take heart and have hope and have confidence is because God lives within us. Our hope and our peace does not come from something we acquire or a problem fading into the distance or somebody leaving our life or coming into our life or whatever the situation may be. Our confidence and our peace comes from placing our trust in God. And so I want us to jump over to Romans 8 really quick. And it says, Romans 8, 1 through 6. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ the law of the Spirit gives life and has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh. We don't live according to the flesh. We don't fix our eyes on the things of the flesh, but according to the spirit, because those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And the mind is governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you to experience his peace. God wants you to know his peace. But I believe it starts with yielding, with stopping, and with giving up our control to the Holy Spirit in our life. I believe freedom and peace start with surrender. And surrender is a decision that we have to make. It's not a decision that anyone will make for us. I know as a kid, like, my mom would basically create little life situations to help me make the right decisions. And there are times that the Lord is going to absolutely let you walk through certain things so you can craft your heart and mold your heart. But at the end of the day, you still got to make a decision to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender. I want to stop fighting on my own. I want to walk with God. I want to place my trust in Him. And Paul gives us an easy way to determine if we're walking in the spirit or if we're walking in the flesh and he said to simply see where your mind is set because the mind is the battleground of the flesh and of the spirit. God wants the spirit to rule over the flesh, but when we allow the flesh to rule over the spirit, we find ourselves bound in these sinful patterns, a pattern of desperation and in constant search for hope and meaning and belonging. But when we walk in the spirit, it means that the course and the direction, the progress of our life is directed by the Holy Spirit. It's this continuous, progressive, forward motion. And as we move forward with the Holy Spirit, he breeds life and peace in us. And he gives us a deeper understanding of our identity as children of God, removing our search for meaning and belonging in every other space. And he sets our hearts and our minds and our souls at ease. But... We have to submit to the Spirit's leading in our life. It's a simple answer, but it's not always an easy answer, right? All of us love control. There's not a single one of us. Some of us love it more than others, but every single one of us like to be able to make the decision or like to be able to determine the outcome. So it's a simple decision. It's not an easy decision, but I believe it is the best decision that we could possibly make. And the reality is submission is not a new concept. It's how we gained our freedom. Jesus submitted to God the Father. When he said, I'll go to the cross, I'll do what you've asked me to do, even though it's going to be hard and I wish there was a different way, we'll do it. We'll do it. And so for us, we submit just as Jesus was treated as a sinner, 
He did not deserve the punishment he received on the cross. He gave us life and peace that we do not deserve. So we submit to God and submission is not a one-time decision. It's not like, okay, eight years ago, I turned my life over to the Lord. From then I've just been on cruise control by myself. That is not the way this works. Following Jesus is a daily submission moment where we go, God, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my motives. I want to give you my desires, whatever it is you want to do in me. God, do what you want to do in me. And Paul expands on this thought by writing this in verse seven, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in this realm of the flesh cannot please God. I read that and I was like, this is one reason why we cannot look at the world and go, they should be doing better. We need to have just like this look of grace on everyone who does not know Jesus. We cannot expect God results out of people who do not know God. But there is a higher standard calling and motive for those of us who do know God. It says this in verse nine, you however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Again, Paul tells us, here's where your focus needs to be. Set your eyes on eternity. Get your focus on eternity. He's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit lives in you and your body, yes, will one day die, but you will live forever with Jesus because of the power of God that resides within you. So we're gonna live with perfect unity with God because of what Jesus has done for us. And we're gonna have the hope of heaven, this perfect unity forever with God. And that hope, it lives in you. So we set our minds on the things of the spirit by fixing our eyes, not on our past mistakes, our present concerns, our future fears, none of that but on the promise of eternity with God and on the promise that he and he alone will sustain us. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live, the path to life is through submission to the spirit daily. The path to peace is through submission to the spirit daily. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like you just can't get out of the situation you're in, if you feel like you're trapped, the path is through submission, not through fighting harder and controlling more. Ask him to eliminate your selfish and sinful desires. Ask him to give you the desires and the things of God. When you're weak, seek him for strength, not something else, not someone else. He desires to strengthen you. I believe that's why he's here, to be your helper, to be your advocate, to strengthen you all of your days. So, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Living as a child of God means this intimate, joyful, full relationship with God. 
A child can have this relationship with God so close. He said, they'll cry out, Abba, Father. It's like my kids when they need something going, Daddy, I need your help. Come. It's the same way, just so close. It's not, I've got to petition my father through a letter. Hopefully he shows up this time. I'll reach out to his secretary at work and maybe he'll call me back. Like that's not the way it works. Daddy, I need you. Father, I need you. What do you need, son? I'm here. He's with you. Wherever you go. Whatever you face. Whatever you're up against. I don't know what your relationship was like with your earthly family, your earthly father. Whatever it was, I want you to toss it aside and understand that there's no limit to the love and the grace and the hope that our God has for you. The love that he wants for you. The desire he has to strengthen you and to walk with you. And so we've been adopted as sons and as daughters of God to have the closest of relationships with him. Paul's writing in this letter to Roman Christians. And as I was looking things up, researching this week, spending time just dissecting this passage, one thing stuck out to me that I just didn't understand. But in the first century, Roman Christians, these guys, if they would have adopted a son, it was somebody they deliberately chose to carry forth their name. It was somebody they hand-selected to say, you are my son, you will carry forth my name. You will inherit all that I have. That was who they, they chose when they adopted somebody. It wasn't like, well, I need a son, so give me somebody. It was like, no, you, you. And I believe with all my heart that that's the way God sees you for adopted into God's family, saying, no, you, 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 you. I want you, specifically you. God values your life so much. So have hope. You may not feel like you matter today, but you matter to God and he wishes to give you freedom through salvation in Jesus and to to sustain that freedom through the power of his Holy Spirit living within you. So now Paul redirects his teaching towards something that I think we often feel like we encounter and that's how to live while suffering and our mindset in the midst of turmoil. And he talks about hope and he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul is not blind to the sufferings of the human existence. He spent much of his life following Jesus in prison because he followed Jesus and was leading the church. And he's saying, my present sufferings don't even compare to what eternity with God is gonna be like. So get your eyes there. And he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. The fulfillment or the full redemption of our lives is something that is still distant until we see the other side of heaven. But we place our trust, our hope in Jesus and we persevere with patience, believing this promise will become a reality. And so patiently we persevere through this life. And how do we do that? How do we persevere patiently? He says, well, this is how. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Did he say that the Spirit helps you when you're perfect, when you're strong, when you've done everything right, when you've got it all figured out and he likes your plan? No, it's in our weakness. When we are weak, 
He is strong. He battles on our behalf. When we are weak, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know how to pray, have you ever been there? Life's just so overwhelming. You're like, God. And nothing else comes out because you're just like, I'm just so overwhelmed in those moments. The Holy Spirit who lives within you is crying out on your behalf. He's not crying out how we cry out, where it's whatever comes to the first part of our mind sometimes, but he's asking specifically for what God already wishes to give you. Life and peace. He is our comforter. He is our strength. He is our advocate. He is our helper at all times, not just in the good times, not just in the bad times, but in every single moment. He is always with you. And he says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called in according to his purpose. Your situation will never be perfect. I'm sorry. It's really good news. Your situation will never be perfect. Your circumstance will never be perfect, but you have a perfect God who loves you who will be with you at all times. You, it will never, ever, ever be just perfectly smooth sailing in your life. You get rid of one issue, guess what? Life's got another one coming around the corner, but God is able to work all things, all things together, not independently, but together for your good. Like this holistic building up of your faith, this holistic benefit that you're gonna walk through this difficult season with God and it's gonna strengthen not just an aspect of your faith, but the whole thing through the working of his spirit within you. Now listen, I believe this with all my heart, that God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. Because this side of heaven, you will never be fully as you should be. But God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay where you are either. And that's why his spirit resides within you, to craft you, to change you, to mold you, to help you propel forward and following Jesus. It's a labor of love from God to us because he does love us so dearly. So let's close with this. What, that, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God is for you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? No matter the circumstances, none of the sufferings of the present time can separate us from the love of God. And this makes us conquerors and more through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is living within us to give us the strength to do so. Last couple of verses, I promise. Verse 38. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither any height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you ever. Nothing can separate you ever. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to recognize that and know that. He's with you at all times, refining you, strengthening you, reminding you of what it means to be 
a child of God. So do not fear, have hope because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. So let's remember what we bow to matters. Where we fix our eyes matters. Where we set our minds matters. Remember what we said earlier, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Choose life, choose peace, and have hope that God will never leave you. For all your days, he is always with you. Let's pray together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, if you're here today and you would say, um, yeah, I need to look to God to be my strength more often. Um, I need to look to him to strengthen my legs, strengthen my arms to help me when I'm weak. That's where I need to look first. If that's you, would just go ahead and slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. Yeah, hands all over the room. God, thank you for a group of people who are saying, yeah, God, I need to put my mind on you first. Nothing else can sustain, nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else can strengthen, God. Nothing else is like you. So Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that your spirit would meet each and every one of us in this moment and guide and strengthen us. Lord, I pray for a reminder in our hearts and minds every single day to turn our life over to you, to follow you and to serve you. If um, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you would say, I want to have the reminder, I need to remember that I'm God's child, that I don't have to earn that place in his family. Uh, maybe you feel like you're constantly having to fight for a performance from God and um, show him and try to prove so that he'll love you. But you want to just know, know my father loves me. He cares about me. If that's you, would you be so bold to slip up your hand? Yeah, I've got your hands. I see you guys. I'd love to pray for you. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the boldness to say, I want to I recognize my identity in you. Father, I pray that that would be so deeply rooted. God, I pray that there would be nothing on this earth that could ever come in and shake it or make it feel like that's not true. But Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would have this, this moment and this understanding day after day after day of how much you love them, how close you are to them, and that you really do call them your son or your daughter and your love for them is not indicative of a performance by them, but just because of what you have done and how much you love and how much you care. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bring that back to their minds every day. When lies come to their minds, reminding them and telling them of the ways they failed and that they have to earn their way back, Lord, I pray that you would remind them of what you said, which is I'm not going to remember their sins or their lawless deeds anymore, but they can come boldly before me as my children. Father, I pray, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would experience this to the fullest. Lord, I ask for all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.